Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. This is the Saturday Session with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott. A real, puts a real slant on the ground, doesn't he? Grant, Grant. It's like the, voice of, like the voice of God doing the, the trailer for this show. Possibly the, the worst Saturday. song ever. Worst song ever. This one? Yeah. Yeah. When you say Grant over and over and over again, it does get... sound a bit stupid, doesn't it? I wonder if our producer... Grant, 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 Grant. But I wonder if our producer, Ben Francis, has got hold of him because he said he was going to get hold of him to do a song for the Saturday session. He'd have to change it from Grant to Grant. <laughs> He's already done it. Has he? <laughs> well, this. Oh, no. no he wrote no. it specifically for you, Grant Elliott. My name is Daniel McCarty. Hello, you, the listener. Uh, hello, Ben Francis, producer extraordinaire. Our number is 0800-150-811. You can text us, double eight double three. Go on. Here's your opportunity um, to give us a call. Um, you may want to carry on the theme from the Reece Super Rugby Fan Show with Justin Marshall last hour. If there's uh, something else top of your mind as far as what you need to get off your chest, uh, do let us know. As far as what's coming up on the show, we'll have Editor-at-Large shortly. There's morning news you need to know about. Um, we will uh, also have our weekend words, the uh, sporting quotes uh, that have stood out to us for uh, our own individual reasons. And our guest, Grant. We do. We've got some great guests. Well, especially you. This is right in your wheelhouse this week. Excuse the pun. Well, as the, um, I guess, Formula One and drive specialist on well, this Well, just show. now motorsport expert. Motorsport expert. We're, we're, uh, yeah, we're branching out. Grant's uh, New Zealand's leading motorsport correspondent. Yes, yeah, so we've got Dave Turner live from the US. He's going to talk everything motorsport. We're going to be talking about the Indianapolis 500. He's the going Spanish to it. Grand Prix this weekend. Um, and then we're going to be speaking about Liam Lawson, Marcus Armstrong in the F2 standings. Um, I don't even know anything about the F2, but don't I'm going to... Don't admit that. I mean, I know a lot about the F2 and yeah. Dave Turner. We're going to quiz him. So if you do have questions for Dave, text them in. Oh, you lazy broadcaster, you. Oh, no, I've got plenty of oh, questions. Good. Don't worry. I've good. got plenty of questions as the motorsport specialist. And then for our legend segment um, after 12 o'clock at 12.15, we've got Katie Martin, who's just retired from cricket. Uh, always a difficult decision to make, but I mean... To reach legendary status just days after your retirement is pretty much a, a little stripe on your, your shoulder, isn't it? Yeah, especially when it, the warm embrace of the Saturday session uh, welcomes you in and then slaps, you know, legend on your back. But someone who's represented New Zealand just shy of 20 years yeah. deserves that. She does deserve it. And she, I'm, I have prepared her. I said, I want to hear your best yarns. She's normally got some really good stories and 20 years of cricket does do that to you. There's a lot of time spent on tour with your teammates and on the field. So we can expect some big things from Katie Martin um, for the game that's given her a lot and that she's given to the game. Uh, indeed. So that is uh, all still to come. But if you want to join the show, 0800 I'd like to ask off the top, and, and we all know I can be a little bit mean-spirited 
uh, generally. It's just the type of bloke I am, especially when it comes to the Warriors uh, and your newfound fandom, um, your burgeoning love for this uh, club. Uh, well, you know, we, we've got we've got a veteran, battle scarred. He looks like a Viking. He hasn't been in one battle, uh, but he's you know scratched himself, cut himself throughout the years watching the, the Warriors. The story yesterday of Matt Lodge being granted an early release um, has come quite a shock uh, to many. Um, there's a long time to go in this season. Um, I think they're lining up a replacement. Ben, help me out with this one. Because you let him go, why? You've got to have an option. You've got to have a replacement up your sleeve. Because they're not, they're not waving the white flag, right? Well... Season ain't I... over, mathematically speaking. Well, no, that's the question I'd like to put to the audience. Do you feel like they are waving the white flag? They go, right, here we go again. We're in May. Let's look to next season. It does strike me a bit like that, doesn't it? 0800 150 811 or text double eight double three. Ben, take your time. <laughs> oh, sorry, <laughs> take your time. You, want, you want my views? Yeah. Uh, it's it's a tricky one because in the in the press release Cameron George did it kind of alluded to because he said that they were going to use it to kind of focus on developing youth and they they apparently have targeted a player who has played for Origin before which you'll touch on shortly and it at large but he would only be signing for the rest of the season. It seems all a little bit odd now. Yeah. But how's this Grant? Help me help me out with this. So Matt Lodge. Matt told us a while ago that for professional and personal reasons, he couldn't commit to a long-term future in New Zealand when we return home for next season, said uh, the CEO of the Warriors, Cameron George. I'm sorry, to Matt Lodge, has Matt, has Matt Lodge ever, ever seen a map? Ever, ever seen a globe? Yeah, but that's he, he does know where New Zealand is, right? But he, he does know where the Warriors theoretically could play one day. I know, when you sign that... The thing is, is it is family reasons. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be on the side of the, the athlete here. They've obviously spoken about it, and whether he's got young children or not, I don't know. But he's just said that it was. I can't see my okay. family moving to New Zealand for the long term. Okay, well then, can you explain to his teammates who have been away from their family and friends for two years in Australia? In Australia. I know that, that is the controversial side yeah. of things. It's so, that, so he irony. didn't want to spend any length of time in New Zealand. He doesn't want to spend any time in a foreign land, yet his teammates have. Can't see his family living there long term. Well. Why sign with them in the first place? Yeah. Oh, because it benefited you at the time. Um, and, and to be fair, uh, no one really should be surprised by this. Uh, can I take you back to when he joined the Warriors from the Broncos? He admitted he likely wouldn't have joined the club if it weren't for a family connection. Warriors recruitment manager at the time, Peter O'Sullivan, is father of uh, Lodge's partner, Jessica. Uh, Lodge says, I probably wouldn't have come over here if it wasn't for him being here. Um, the club is not somewhere that naturally would be my first choice, but I have a lot of trust in O'Sullivan. Uh, and his resume and footy smarts have been quite successful. It's quite tough to hear that as your teammates. <laughs> as the teammates and someone who's been playing, who you, you almost feel from those comments he wasn't really invested in the team. Maybe that's something yeah. and, Warriors and he, need to look at as their players need to be absolutely 100% devoted to the brand. Yeah, the club is not somewhere that would naturally be my first choice. Okay, a little bit interesting. Um, someone writes here, releasing on double eight double three, uh, releasing one of your best forwards for the remainder of the year screams Mickey Mouse management. Uh, appreciate your thoughts. Oh, I'm just baffled by this. I'm really confused. But um, the NRL, the NRL um, does throw up some um, interesting 
a plant movement now, doesn't it? Ben Francis? Well, there's another guy in the Warriors at the moment, Ewan Aitken, who is all, he's leaving at the end of the season as well, and he has kind of cited that for family reasons he can't move over as well. But I guess the kind of fact is that he's playing playing out the rest of the season at the Warriors anyway. So he's kind of committed to saying, no, I, I won't move over but I'm still happy to help you guys out for the rest of the season. And in fact, he got released. We don't even know if he's going to be played for another club this year, which is kind of the, the yeah. fascinating thing as well, is you know, where's he going to end up? And he joined the Warriors, as you touched on there. He kind of said, oh, I don't uh, don't really want to go, but I've got kind of got that family connection. And uh, there's definitely more to it than, than what's been put out. But from my perspective, if you don't want to be at the Warriors, then... Uh, Tadio, goodbye. <laughs> Ta-ta. Take care. Bye-bye now. That, See you later. I, Au revoir. Adios. And I, I think the points that you guys make, though, it's that, I mean, listen, COVID has put a lot of health and well-being onto the players, and they've started thinking about it a lot more. And when you are a professional athlete, your family does come into play a lot, you know, particularly in cricket and when you're away a lot. So they are thinking about, you know, not just themselves and the sport. And when you sign, I get your point, Daniel. When you sign the contract, when I sign the contract to be a Black Caps player, I know I'm going to be away f- for six months plus a year. Um, and that's something that you decide as a family. So you need to, you know what you're going into. And I guess to, you know, cut ties halfway through is never going to be a good look. But you have to try and understand that there might be something going on in the background. There's always two sides to the story. Well, and, and there could be another um, element to be added to this: is who do they replace him with? And in fairness to this whole scenario, from a Warriors perspective and, and the sensibility around this decision, once you know that, you can you can mm. more fairly weight it. But um, odd. All right, let's get to editor at large as we unpack all the sports you've missed out on with Burger King, home of the Whopper. During the segment, we'll add in our totally unwanted and sometimes unwarranted uh, off-the-cuff opinion. So let's go. Will Zalatoris, Zalatoris, ever heard of him, Grant? Uh, golfer. Uh, he is a I'm golfer. Looking at your, <laughs> he, your is. Computer. he is a golfer. He's an American golfer, and he's nine under the card. Um, and he leads at the PGA Championship at the Southern Hills Championship course. Uh, he is five under for his round today. He has just birdied the 17th, the par, th- uh, par four, uh, to go uh, into the lead at nine under the card. Uh, he has been chased hard by Chilean Mito Pereira, who is uh, six under for his round today. In fact, he's in the clubhouse. He shot a 64. That is confirmed. He's just one shot back. Then uh, two shots further back, uh, Justin uh, Thomas is... Um, at minus six after consecutive 67s. Then you've got uh, quite the pack at uh, minus four, including the likes of uh, Rory McIlroy, Baba Watson, and others. And Daniel now hurriedly scrolls down the leaderboard um, to find where Ryan Fox. Ryan Fox is even for the tournament and entire for 23rd, the Kiwi number one. Excellent stuff. A bit of a mixed start. He started on the back nine today. Um, three straight uh, pars, then had a birdie, then went double bogey, bogey, birdie. That's a, that's a little Ryan Fox uh, four-hole burst. Uh, can be a little bit up and down, but uh, he, he steadied himself and has uh, birdied the first and back to even for the tournament. So well done to Ryan Fox. Hey, the Black Caps preparation for their all-important test series against England, which SCNZ will have full coverage of, has gotten off to a bit of a rocky start, uh, Grant, with two players testing positive for COVID. Uh, Henry Nichols, Blair Tickner have COVID. Uh, I think they go into isolation for five days because it's England. Oh, okay. 
I, I don't understand the rules anymore. No. I didn't know there was still testing involved. I'm not too sure yep. what's going on there. Well, you don't want everyone to get sick now. No. Right? Um, people can get sick. The four-day match against Sussex uh, has been reduced to three. Oh, okay. Yeah, as a result. You know, it's amazing. You used to go over in a boat to England back in the day and spend almost three to four months there and play county warm-up games, and now it's just sort of one warm-up and away you go. There's, there's no sort of acclimatizing. So I think that that gives England a little bit of an edge over the, the Black Caps. Interesting. Uh, to the NRL, the New Zealand Warriors apparently are set to sign one-time Queensland representative uh, Dunamis Louis. Is that how I pronounce the first name? I, I, hopefully I've got that right. Should Dunamis Louis. Dunamis. Dunamis Louis. For the remainder of the season to fill the void uh, left by Matt Lodge, the Warriors... Um, uh, released that yesterday, as we do know. The Daily Telegraph reports Louis could join the Warriors as early as Monday if they can finalise the deal. Louis has been playing in the Queensland Cup for the Redcliffe Dragons. Um, dolphins. Dolphins. They are Dolphins, you're right. That, that wouldn't be a fair fight. <laughs> dragons against Dolphins. Would it? Sorry, I've had a Ron Burgundy moment there. Um, football, it's a two-horse race for the final relegation spot in English Premier League after Grant's uh, side Everton had a, a mighty comeback, three goals to two. Come yesterday. on, you blues! Come um, on, you blues! I, I just have to bring this up that uh, Leeds and Burnley, who are those uh, two fighting uh, to stave off regal, uh, relegation? One of them will go down uh, to the Championship, falling out of the English Premier League. But both are threatening legal action against your Everton. Uh, Grant, um, over handling of the club's finances, uh, you've posted losses. Get this of three hundred seventy-two million pound over the past three years, Everton. Our league profitability and sustainability rules allow for losses of only $105 million over a three-year period. Must be a COVID dispensation oh, clause in there somewhere. Could be like the an pandemic. America, could be like an America's Cup court case. Just when you that think, will be exciting. Just when that you, will be exciting. <laughs> just when you think you're over the line as an Everton supporter, it comes back and bites you, <laughs> yeah. and you think, oh, you're always on the edge of your seat. Such a good team. The well, Warriors, the, between the Warriors and Everton. Uh, uh, yeah, and lastly, finally, you want to know. You, you want to know, right? I do. The audience wants to know. It's Sean White time. This is where we do our regular update of the flying tomato, or carrot, as Grant would call him. What he's been up to, instead of replying to Grant's messages. This week, Sean has been spotted trying to give his autograph to a peacock. How do you do? So many questions. Did the peacock ask for it? Did the peacock put out its plumage? Feathers? It's like... Trying I, to attract I haven't seen Carrot the video. In. I haven't followed him this week. Just oh, because yeah. maybe, uh, you know, I'm a little bit despondent. Let me check if he's... He's no longer in Greece, Grant. I can tell you that. Sean and his partner, uh, Nina Dobrev, uh, made their red carpet debut together in London to celebrate the premiere of Top Gun Maverick. Oh. You fired up for Top Gun? He's everywhere, isn't he, Sean White? Yeah. Well, so are they doing a Top Gun re- rerun, or is it a... Reboot. It's Tom Cruise. Oh, how good. Yeah. Yeah, you'll be up for that. The need for speed. Iceman. <laughs> goose. <laughs> I'm more goose, mate. I wake my head and get written out of the movie. And that is uh, Editor-at-Large. Sporting uh, news you need to know about. Oh, pump it up, Ben. Pump it up. Give me some George. I've just had a look and he hasn't answered my message. He hasn't looked at it. Has not looked at my message yet. He's but you'll busy. love. He's you'll busy, love, boys. Your love remains strong for Sean. <laughs> Wasn't Quarter past great. 11. This is the Saturday session.
We will talk motorsport. Well, Grant will talk motorsport after this break. We cannot wait to welcome into the program Dave Turner, who's off. In fact, he is now in the US ahead of uh, the Indianapolis 500. Or what an event that would be to, to go to. But we'll talk uh, supercars, Formula One, and everything else in between. Stay with us. You look like you're going to go all karaoke on me, clapping your hands to a bit of Elton. Well, they still haven't fired up the mic in the corner of our studio. I've been threatening to sing the Colin de Grandhomme <laughs> song from Edge Best well, in almost 2018. Year, for, for almost a year, you've been promising us that. Got a big house. How's your all your assignments going? You've done your rowing yet? I'm waiting, for SENZ, I'm waiting for SENZ to go, here are your flights. You're off to Codrona. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, a ski jump. Yeah. Speaking of flights and heading off to a great sporting event, our, our, our special guest right now has done exactly that. I think we go live to the United States of America. Dave Turner, motorsport guru, joins the program to discuss a variety of topics. But Dave, are you off on something akin to a motorsport pilgrimage at the moment? Well, I was worried that I was going to have to do karaoke for a minute, so you had me really worried there. Yeah. Uh, no, that's a, that's at the end, Dave. You'll do karaoke at the end. Pick your song. The listeners would love to hear it. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll get back to you on that one then. We'll talk motorsport and see how's that. So, yeah, yeah I, I like the sound of it. My, uh, my each side of COVID addiction to the Indy 500, we'll call it. Well, Dave, main, he's mainlining Indy. So it's an addiction. Is it something you've always been addicted to? Is it a more recent um, <laughs> sort of addiction? Uh, have you fall, Have you been into rehab and, and lapsed? How do you describe it? <laughs> well, I first came here actually in 1996 when I was still working at TV and um, yeah, uh, I was on the way back from the Atlanta Olympics and saw the place and was shown around by some people and I said, oh yeah, you know, whoopie do. And um, and then obviously I, at, at the time I was at TVNZ then in 2003, so nearly 20 years ago, uh, when Scott Dixon made his first appearance here, and I convinced TVNZ that I needed the budget to come and do a show up here, and uh, that's kind of where the addiction started. And everything that I was told in, in 1996 came true. It, it really is. A, it's an incredibly special place. There's absolutely no doubt about it. It's. Uh, it, 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 I don't think there's another motor racing circuit quite like it anywhere in the world that comes close to what the Indy 500 actually represents. And I've been to Formula One Grand Prix and, and all that sort of thing. And this is this really is a very, very special place. Now, Dave, what do the listeners need to know about the Indy 500? I understand there's 33 drivers um, and it's the 106th running of the Indianapolis 500. Mm-hmm. Um for seven of them, it'll be their first attempt at what's called the greatest spectacle in racing. But for eight of them, it'll be an attempt to see their face etched on the Borg Warner Trophy yet again. So what do we need to know, and how are the Kiwis going to fare? Well, the, the key things to know is obviously over the next two days, starting tomorrow, um, qualifying starts. So the field of 33 will uh, go into qualifying mode tomorrow, and then again on Sunday, um, positions 12 through 33 get locked in tomorrow. And then effectively, like we see at, at Bathurst at home, then there's going to be a shootout for the top 12 spots the next day. So that's how that'll work. It does mean that if you're in those first 12 cars, you're potentially putting your car at risk over qualifying multiple times, which is a very uh, never-been-done-before process necessarily here at Indy. Um, so there's a lot on the line. But, you know, you take pole position and it's a cool 100 US thousand in your bank account Sunday night. So... But, you know, wow. that's that's just qualifying, and qualifying 
in many ways doesn't mean a lot um, for listeners back in New Zealand. I think the important thing for if they're following for both the Scots, Dixon and McLaughlin, the thing to watch out for really is they need to be roughly inside the top 12 if they can be. Um, certainly if you get further back than about 15th, the odds of winning the race become just that much harder. It's not to say it's impossible because it's certainly not and people have won from further back. But um, I would feel more comfortable if they both qualified you know, within the 12 actually. Mm. That would be a a good place to be. And McLaughlin particularly, you know, it's only a second visit here and he, sh- he showed great form um, so far. So there's no reason why that can't happen. I think the limiting factor potentially may be what the weather does, particularly tomorrow. But, you know, we all love to be armchair weather critics, don't we? So we've just got to wait and see what happens. <laughs> well, well, Dave, uh, unlike uh, Grant, my esteemed colleague and motorsport expert, um, I'm, I'm a bit of a, a numpty when it comes to this. But, but as far as tipping uh, the Indy 500, what, 500 um, miles, what's that, 200 laps. It, it seems past yep. winners tell, tells me it, it's hard to repeat. It's hard to win it multiple times. Is it, is it harder to pick than yep. a broken nose? Well, you know, I've always entered sweepstakes and stuff up here, and you know, I'd probably get better odds on the TAV or something like that at home anyway. But, um, it's yeah, it, it's not an easy race to win. You know, it is 200 laps. Um, the, the speed, even in this is you know, my twentieth year at this event, and the, the the speeds have grown over the years. The race is no longer; it's not an endurance race. It's like again, like Bathurst. These are straight out sprints. You know, this race can potentially be done and dusted inside three hours. Um, you know, the cornering speeds into particularly into turn one, if you transfer it into you know our speaking kilometres now, you're looking at a turn in speed into that corner of about three hundred and sixty k. So you know, the commitment from the driver across three hours is absolutely massive. Um, the effects of the other cars around you and the buffeting that you get off those other cars, that plays a, a very big factor. And, and the fact that you also do, you know, somewhere between six and eight pit stops. So, you know, the team can muck it up for you that many times as well, or you can muck it up as the driver. So um, there, there is a lot of variables that make it harder to win again. Uh, it's hard enough to win the first time round. Dixon's probably a good example of that. I was here and you know, 2008 when he won that that only title that he's won in terms of the Indy 500. Uh, and, you know, he's been close so many times since then, but close is close. It's not another win in the box. And yet he's, you know, he's won virtually a record number of championships. So, yeah, it's a it's a very demanding place. It's, it's effectively a rectangle, um, but the characteristics are that all four turns around here are actually all quite uniquely different even though they look the same shape they all do different things because of mm. the effects of what the wind does what the sun does all, all of that sort of carry on so it's yeah it's it's an open book but for the kiwis here we want to see them ideally inside top 15 or top 12 for sure well dave it's fantastic to have kiwis in the event like the indianapolis 500 but let's move to the spanish grand prix this weekend you've got charles leclerc george russell Lewis Hamilton, Hamilton all doing well, but I guess something that's uh, um, the front of everyone's mind and has hit the news is the controversy surrounding Aston Martin and Red Bull. Um, can you give us uh, shed a little bit more light on that? Well, I think it's quite interesting that effectively the Aston Martin team used to be Force India and they were accused of cloning the car a few years back, and yet today Christian Horner came out and said you know, the fact that a lot of the Red Bull staff had left Red Bull and are now employed by Aston Martin means that, you know, that's breaching 
copyright design and all of this sort of thing. It's not the first time it's happened in Formula One. The FIA have come out and said that there was no, uh, you know, nothing wrong in what's being done. And, uh, you know, actually, if you were Ferrari, you'd be going, this is pretty good because it's going to distract Red Bull from the main game, which is getting on with the racing rather than worrying about all the politics and, and other carry-ons. So uh, it's, it's typically Formula One. Um, with every evolution of the cars, they all start to look very similar in the engine. You know, we went through a rule change this year, so all the cars are in, in some ways quite different to each other. But, you know, pretty much by the end of the year, I think you're going to see a lot of the trends that work successfully. So at this stage, you would say Ferrari. Um applied across those other cars. So uh, I think it's just a smoke and mirrors in many ways from, from Red Bull, just in case Aston Martin suddenly start being quicker than them. But leading into this um, this Formula One, or oh, this weekend, it looks like Mercedes have, have turned a corner with their vehicle. Yeah, well, George Russell was very quick in that first practice. He was second fastest, and Willis has come out and said that he feels that the car is better. There's still some porpoising issues with it, but overall, they've made some improvements. And, you know, I, I think when I talked with Mark Watson a few weeks ago, I said the same thing. You know, Mercedes will be relentless in trying to resolve this because it's just the power of an organisation and um, company like that that then... That, that you, they're not going to be out of a fight for very long. And, and clearly, you know, that, that's what they're doing. And their design is quite radically different to the other designs. So if they can get that to work, then there's a reason why they've chosen to go down that path. It's like America's Cup racing, isn't it? You know, you you have a, a certain set of rules, but one boat is generally quicker than the other. And, um, you know, Mercedes have had clear dominance for a long time at the stage. Ferrari have, but Red Bull are very close. Um, you know, and Mercedes may re-enter the equation, in which case then that makes for the absolutely ideal championship when you've got multiple teams and multiple drivers, you know, fighting it out. That's that's what the fan wants and that's what the fan deserves. And if you compare it with IndyCar, the last 17 years in IndyCar, the championship has gone to the very final race. So as a fan of the sport, I guess you'd say, that's that's the perfect scenario, you know, absolutely perfect scenario. So that's what we really want to see in Formula 1 as well. Fernando Alonso, racing at home, of course, you think he'd be happy. He's anything but from what I've detected. He's, his mind is still what happened to him in Miami. Uh, interesting, he's accused Formula One's governing body of incompetence and lacking knowledge of racing. He'd <laughs> like to think Formula One would know um, one or two things uh, about racing. Um, whether, whether he's just getting sort of myopic with what happened in Miami, um, but more broadly, might he have a point? That, as far as you're uh, concerned, Dave? Fernando's very good at working the media machine to his advantage. He's done it multiple times yeah. before, even when he yeah. came here and had his, had his two attempts to qualify in the 500. And I was actually standing almost right next to him uh, two years ago when he didn't qualify for the 500. And the look of almost disgust from himself when he was driving from McLaren here and, oh, we didn't, we didn't qualify for the race. So he, he posts a pretty good media spin on things and he uses the media <laughs> at times to... Uh, get his message out. But, you know, there's a lot of silly little rules going on at, at the moment in Formula 1. There's the, the thing about uh, flame-proof underwear, uh, which Sebastian Vettel took a, a little bit of a take on, uh, at Miami by wearing his boxer shorts on the outside of his race suit to prove that he was wearing his underwear. Um, but, the, but the bottom line message is there is a safety reason there. You know, that, that apparel is, is worn for a safety reason, and some drivers obviously haven't been wearing that. And they need to. Yeah. So I, I agree with the FIA on that one. 
Um, the jewellery one, Lewis Hamilton said that he won't race since he has to take all his jewellery off and he can't get his earrings out anyway because that's just the way they are. You know, there's, there's lots of crazy things that go on there, but in, in many ways they're five-minute headlines. But the governing body sets the rules. The drivers know the rules. You don't like it, then adjust to it or, you know, accept it. So I... Yeah, Fernando, it's just a case of a, a bit of spin in, in my case. You know, he also has the competition at home of the fact that Carlos Sainz and the other Ferrari is very quick and he's Spanish as well. So he doesn't want to be upstaged by a guy on a team oh, that no. he used to drive for. You know, <laughs> you can play those games for forever and a day. But, you know, it's just great. It's great that the Formula One season is working the way it is because Ferrari... You know, have done the homework and, and they're there. They're going to give Red Bull a hard time if Mercedes re-enter the equation. Then that's fantastic, you know. And, and that's again what championships are supposed to be about. And it's it's no different than again what we'll potentially see over the weekend here and then next weekend with the 500. There's 33 cars in there, and honestly, all 33 drivers are certainly capable of winning the race. It just comes down to how it plays itself out on the day. And Dave, we've obviously got the Formula 2 standings. Liam Lawson's in at 4th and Marcus Armstrong 7th. How's, uh, how are they faring in Formula 2? Liam Lawson's obviously, there's been a lot spoken about him and as, a, as a big talent. Yeah, well, I think Liam's, uh, you know, he's, he's obviously talented of the future. and He's on the Red Bull radar and he's been part of the Red Bull machine for you know, quite a few years now. Um, and I think, you know, this year is just about him focusing on Formula 2 rather than doing the, the DTM program like he did last year plus Formula 2. Um, you know, he's tested the Alpha Tori Formula 1 car, so I think there's probably good things on the horizon there. And that's that's fantastic. It's fantastic for New Zealand as a country, uh, fantastic for him as a driver. And Marcus, you know, Marcus has been in amongst it. He went through, you know, the um, <coughs> Motorsport New Zealand Elite Academy, to which I'm a trustee of as well. And... Um, you know, you can't underestimate what a job those guys are actually doing. It's This is tough competition, and, you know, it's some serious coin as well. But they're both both doing very well, and, um, you know, they're up against some of the world's best. Supercars this weekend, too. I think they're on Winton. Uh, so it's, it's not as if you motorsport yep. heads aren't going to get you fixed this week, fellas. Grant's eyes are popping out of his head, mate. Have you got enough brownie points this weekend? No, I, I, I'm so badly out of debt with brownie <laughs> points. 20 years of cricket, Dave. I can't sit down. It's just highlights for me, just the five-minute highlights. But you'll be uh, salivating at all of the, the motorsport yeah, that's happening this weekend. He is still leading that one, isn't he? I think he's got uh, what 164-point lead. Yep. Um, uh, De Pasquale. hope I pronounced that correctly. Did I get that right? De Pasquale. Oh, anywhere near... Ah, Pasquale, thank you very much. As we wrap this up, Dave, back to our original topic, the Indy 500. Tell us about the fans. Is it feral? Is it madness? Are they well-behaved? Is it bourbon and coke? Yeah. Is it Woodstocks and fighting? (laughs) I think think the significant thing to remember is there hasn't been a full crowd for over two years. So the last time there was a crowd at the Indy 500 was 2019. In 2020, they ran completely without a crowd. Last year, it was at quarter capacity. Now, no one never fully knows the crowd attendance here, but there are ways of finding it out. And on average, uh, it is the single largest sporting event in the world on a single day 
bar none. There is nothing that tops yep. it. And you're looking at an average attendance of over 400,000 people. Whoa! So, you know, so there's, yeah, me and a few friends, you might what say. What could go wrong? So what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> so the answer to your question, Daniel, well, is that it is pretty feral. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a mixture of everybody. You know, it, it has a great atmosphere. Um, it, it's, it will be very interesting to see what it's like this year. Obviously, you know, COVID is still around as well, so it, it will be quite interesting. You start to see an influx of people in, into the city and, and that sort of thing. But, yeah, it is a very special event, and for a driver to come out uh, and see the, those number of fans are, around the facility, is, it's, it's mind-blowing. I've, you know, I've been lucky enough to see it many times, and it still blows me away just to see all of these people, but the way in which they do it here and they get you into the venue, get you out of the venue, um, there's a lot of lessons that could be learned there for a lot of promoters across a lot of events because they can clear that place. I remember a few years ago when we had a tornado warning and they cleared the place in less than 20 minutes and that was a lot what? of people to move out. So, yep, the, it's very, very efficient. All roads lead in at the beginning of the morning and then at the end of the day, all roads lead out and it's very, very well executed. So, um yeah, the fans are very loyal. They're very vocal. Um, strangely enough, actually, they have a thing on the Friday called Carb Day, which has traditionally been the party day. So that's <laughs> <laughs> probably where you're going to have the bourbon. And then strangely enough, on the Sunday, Sunday's race day, so everyone pays attention and lays off the turps to a certain extent because it's race day. Mm. So it's some quirky little things that happen around this race, that's for sure. Yeah, the, the true Sabbath. The true Sabbath <laughs> race day. Yeah. Dave, thanks so much, mate. Yeah. Uh, fantastic to, to connect with you when you're on the ground there for this uh, massive event. We, we can't overstate that. 400,000 people. I'm actually feeling a little bit overwhelmed just at the thought of 400,000 people. Stay safe, Dave. Thanks so much for joining us here on SCNZ. Thanks a lot, Dave. No, you're most welcome. You're most welcome. Have a great day, guys. We'll give it a go. Uh, great to chat to Dave Turner, the motorsport junkie, um, who's making his pilgrimage, um, an annual pilgrimage. 400,000 people. madness. It's crazy. So it's basically a dollar. I feel claustrophobic thinking about that. And almost a dollar donation because um, Helio Castanaves, I, I don't even know if I've said that correctly. What, the four-time uh, champion? Yes, so he... The equal most... Win- um, winner of the India 500. Well, he's he, been winning them for 20 years now. And he has been told that he will get a $400,000 bonus, Kastranavis, um, if he can go back-to-back this year. So, nice little sweetener. Because <laughs> I'm sure he's struggling to pay his mortgage. Which I hope Jimmy Neesham got paid for that video that he did with Trent Bolt and Daryl Mitchell. Is there anything you cricketers won't do for coin? Wow. Seriously. We need to post that somewhere on SENZ. It is horrendous. Phenomenally. That that, that enters the all-time list of worst IPL promo videos. And I tell you what, we we could do a whole three-hour special. Well, I just showed you a Danny Morrison one, and you were pretty shocked at that one. Yeah, the cultural appropriation and... um, how wildly wrong he got the words it was quite startling to me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, can, the, you, can you say no? No, well you can't. I don't think you can in the IPL because I'm looking at some of the adverts that the guys do, and I, I don't think you can. Well, you've got your owner who pays you two million dollars, and Trent, he goes, "Can you do this advert Trent for Bolt, me?" No, Jimmy Neesham. Who was the other one? And Daryl Mitchell. They all then their faces were saying no. Mm. Their faces were saying no, weren't they? But the. Uh, Paycheck said yes, I guess. 
Everyone's got their price. Check the fine print of the contract. (laughs) Wow. Really? (laughs) Anyway, we will take a break. It's 20 away from 12 o'clock. This is the Saturday Sesh. You're on the Sesh with uh, Grant and Daniel and Ben Francis. Uh, Our legend next hour in association with Somerset is, of course, uh, Katie Martin. Can't wait to speak to her about her what, nine, 20-year career playing for New Zealand. Stay with us. This is uh, SENZ. Um, we uh, will get to some of our nominations for our Sleep Drops Performance of the Week up after this break. Stay with us. 16 minutes away from 12 o'clock. This is the Saturday session. My name is Daniel McCarty. Grant Elliott is alongside me. And every Saturday, we encourage you to join us to uh, tell us uh, the Sporting Performance of the Week, your Sporting Performance of the Week. What made you... Uh, amazed, startled, or just laugh out loud, uh, you can let us know via a double eight double three, or pick up the phone and call us on 1-800-150-811. And um, everyone who contributes goes into the draw to win our Sleep Drops Performance of the Week. Big thanks to Sleep Drops for their support. Um, New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. We often, well, every week we give you some nominations. Grant tends to be a lot more serious than I. I, I tend to take a third eye approach to things. I'm a very serious person, No, you Daniel. are. So, so what are your nominations for this week or nomination if you just want to go the singular? Do you know what? You don't know. Do no, you? I do know. I do know. I do know. Uh, the thing is, I, I went the same thing last week. I've been under a lot of pressure ever since I've been uh, supporting the Warriors thanks to... Ben Francis, our producer, um, and it's not going to be the Warriors, but I've been under pressure because yeah, I you support... nominated a blown testicle as uh, your performance of the week. Wasn't weeks that ago, we- That was a couple yeah, of weeks yeah. ago, so maybe that was my non-serious one. But I went for Everton last week because we were struggling for relegation. You were giving me a lot of trouble about it. You Ricardo. should go for Everton this week. What about the? And grand- I am going for Everton this week again. <laughs> but what I wanted to go for was Calvert Lewin, his goal. I mean, under pressure. As an athlete, I woke up and I got a couple of messages from my Everton fans saying, it's two all, we need a win here to avoid relegation. And I slapped the TV on before I went to work and suddenly went upstairs, brushed my teeth and I heard it crowd erupt. Calvert Lewin, diving header, bang into bottom right. And then the Everton crowd, who are pretty septic, I must admit, (laughs) all stormed the ground like the the good old days. The the impromptu um, pitch invasion, and there's been quite a few of them over the last couple of weeks, there's been a couple of really ugly incidents. Billy Sharp from Sheffield United got headbutted. Patrick Vieira, that was great. No, um, an Everton fan had a crack at him. But I'm actually going to give it to a fan, an Everton fan too. <laughs> yes. A few weeks ago, we saw the Everton fan chuck the ball up their shirt to, to waste a bit of time. There's a magnificent little melee on the, on the side of the field. And at Goodison, it's really close to the field. And then this darling old grandmother, who looks like she's in her early 70s, just leans over and slaps the Crystal Palace player on his ass. It's like, <laughs> naughty boy, stop it. Stop it. It's absolutely fantastic. I know you're not supposed to touch players. In fact, I'll probably say don't touch players. It's a stupid thing to do. But it was, um, gee, I laughed. I laughed so very hard at that. Ski jump, skull rowing, and going to Goodison Park. If SENZ <laughs> can send me to Goodison Park. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, let's just get to Auckland first. Well, Grant's a little bit more, but it's been a stressful week for him. It's been a stressful week with threat of relegation for his beloved Everton. Uh, so we want to hear from you as far as your nominations for our Sleep Drop Performance of the Week. And I, and I want to read this from uh, Richie's long text, but I think it's well worth uh, mentioning. My champion of the week is Niall Williams. She's back playing for the Black Ferns this week. Grant, what are you doing? I'm reading it. 
<laughs> Stop touching it, Grant. Don't edit that up the way you possibly could, Ben. Uh, my champion of the week is Niall Williams. She's back playing for the Black Ferns this weekend after coming back from a near-career-ending injury. She uh, even scored two tries in her return game. I, I had the sound off uh, for a first try, but was obviously watching it when I saw the Black Fern uh, make a midfield uh, break um, from a great running line and showing blistering pace. I thought to myself, who is this new young player? So turn the sound on just as they closed in on the player and saw it was Niall. Welcome back. Well said, Richie. Nice, uh, Richie. That is a nice one. So keep your uh, messages coming in on a double eight double three, or pick up the phone 0800-150811. Uh, the Sleep Drops Performance of the Week. Ben Francis, what's your nomination? I have a very interesting one. and it, uh, it's Well, we'll, we'll judge that. Thanks. It's, I guess it's the, the sporting community of uh, Twitter for their – Hilarious reactions to Scott Morrison tackling that little uh, <laughs> on the football field because straight away on social media they're going, "Oh, that's a great high, dangerous contact." That's four weeks on the sideline. Uh, uh, oh, he quite- can't. He can- he's got behaviour of screwing people over, so he can't mitigate it. The judiciary, so it's the full six week. I reckon. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. Great nomination, Ben. Carry Great on. nomination. So that that was it. It was such a hilarious clip. I don't know how many times I've watched it, but uh, just just seeing him just tack, just <laughs> the shoulder to the head. Oh, that was yeah. that was nasty. Yeah, no mitigating no <laughs> mitigating factors there. The referees to start quick, quickly dished out the red and sent him off. It's ten away from twelve o'clock. We will take a short break. This is the session. Keep your nominations rolling in either via text double eight double three. For our Sleep Drops Performance of the Week, we'll pick up the phone. Give us a call. Yes, we are humans. We do like to talk. 0800 150811. Back up. Five and a half minutes away from 12 o'clock. I need to update you on the Super Rugby Fan of the Year recap uh, in association with uh, Reese Plumbing. In it together and here for the long haul, Reese works for you. Things remain very, very tight in the Fan of the Year competition as uh, our contenders gun for 5000 bucks thanks to Reese Plumbing. We all started off with that 1,949 of you. By week number three, we were down to 610, Grant. Then by week seven, we were into single, uh, sorry, double figures, 59. But since then, we've only lost 18 people over seven weeks because that's how good our tipsters are. Strong group, and we are down to 41. Down to 41. Why are we so bad then, if they're so good? Maybe they should host the Reese Super Rugby. We should. Show. We should get one of those 41 Actually, that's people. That's a great idea. Yeah, let's... Let's try to ring them how up. About, how about the winner co-hosts a show? Or or maybe we can get yeah. some people from the final team. Are you trying to eject me out of here? Well, that or I'm trying to angle for a weekend off. <laughs> get them to host. You uh, said co-host. We, we will roll on after this uh, short break. Um, our feature in the next hour, part of the Saturday session, Legends. Katie Martin, great international career, over 20 years of cricket. Daniel, Daniel. Doesn't spell it because he doesn't know I before Daniel, E except Daniel, after C. Daniel, 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 Daniel. Daniel. I just said Danny. D A N N Y. If Francis plays Danny, I'm walking. Can you get a Danny? I'm We've got to find Danny. I'm walking. And you two can do the show by yourselves. <laughs> My name's Daniel McCarty. He's Grant Elliott. This is the final hour of the show. This is the Saturday session. You're on the session. Ben Francis, extruder, <laughs> producer extraordinaire, rather.
Uh, and you, we do hope, 0800 150 811 or text double eight double three. We want your nominations for our Sleep Drops Performance of the Week, the sporting highlight as far as you're concerned over the last seven days. Go on, let us know. We've got a prize pack thanks to uh, Sleep Drops to give away. Uh, everyone who uh, contributes will go into that mix. Let's update some live sport, Grant. Uh, the PGA Championship. You're loving the PGA Championship at the moment, aren't you? I love live sport. Got stuck and, into Dubai golf. All the no, Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. Yeah, well, yeah. I got stuck into Greg Norman. Yeah, true. Slightly different. The week before I got stuck into Saudi Arabia. Uh, Will Zalatoris of the United States <clears throat> has shot 66-65, Grant, and leads uh, the PGA Championship at minus nine at the halfway stage. Getting all emotional. Getting all choked up. Uh, Mito Pereira is in outright second just a shot back. Then two further back, you've got Justin Thomas in sole possession of uh, third. Story of the day, you might argue, is Bubba. Bubba mm. Watson shot 63 today, had nine birdies, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, nine birdies, uh, including a huge uh, putt from the fringe on the 11th. So he's uh, in the mix. Um, and I will scroll down and find out where Ryan Fox is. Ryan Fox is now inside the top 20, Grant. Moved up six Akimi places. inside the top 20. He was a little bit rough, starting on the back nine. Uh, where after a birdie on the 13th, he dropped three shots on 14 and 15. Got one straight back on 16. Uh, but uh, has been near flawless on the back nine through seven holes. Has picked up uh, two shots. So Ryan Fox is minus one for the tournament. He is playing the 17th or the 8th. Yeah, can I ask you a question? I mean, something that I, I'm always thinking about is the aftermatch function. So you get to the 19th hole, but you've got this array of internationals. So you've got like Zalatoris, American, but then I, I thought I saw um, a Mexican in there as well. Um, when he finishes Abraham Anker, I, I wonder what he orders. Does he <laughs> go for the tequila? And then you've got Rory McIlroy, who maybe he's just, you know, just solid pint. Um, burnt Wiesberger. Does he ask for Bratwurst <laughs> on the, the menu? Like, well, he's, be, Aust- he's Austrian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but so it must be great shout. Like just seeing all of these international stars in a bar. Like, what a great traveling um, group of, be a lot of, of athletes. There'd be a lot of wobbling, though. Oh, a lot yeah. of head wobblers there. Oh, and definitely. You know, a lot of peacocking, it, alphas. It is a sport with individuals. A, and my dear friend, Phil T. Phil Tatarangi, uh, told them a lot over the years. There's, there's not a sport where the players take themselves more seriously than golf, right? Well, quiet, you have to. Quiet, please. <laughs> Phones away, please. But I think that's changing, quiet, though. Please. That is changing because there, there's going to um, be that uh, Netflix documentary mm. where they're trying to obviously get more personable with the, the players. But, I mean, what a, what a great sport and just it looks like the ultimate sport to play until you're 65. Yes, because isn't Bernard Langer still playing in the senior PGA? I used to watch him when I was six <laughs> years old at the Million Dollar Golf <laughs> Challenge, where he got the yips and had to turn to the long, Lovely. the long putter. Yeah, so eight shots back is Ryan Fox in a tie for seventeenth with the likes of Kevin Yena. It's Kevin Na. Sorry, I, I can't resist telling that joke every time I, I see his name, Kevin Yena. Uh, no. It's uh, four and a half minutes after 12 o'clock. Uh, Katie Martin is our very special guest as part of the Saturday Session Legends. That is uh, still to come. Uh, Grant, I've had a rough week. Why is that? Uh, been in the, as far as on this show, I, 
kept it in the closet until the season is now over, knowing full well that the season was going to be over. I'm a big um, ice hockey fan, big Toronto Maple Leafs fan. Yeah, no, you mentioned we're that, in, I think, two weeks ago. We're in the playoffs. We're in the playoffs. And uh, we lost to the two-time defending champions, the Tampa Bay Lightning, four games to three in a best-of-seven series after being 3-2 up. Mm. So we had two games to close out the series. Uh, we lost both of them. Um, that means we've failed to get out of the playoffs um, out of the first round for about four years. Eternity, it seems like. And that means it's 1967, off the top of my head, is when they last won the title. Did you feel like this year was going to be the no, year? No, absolutely not. But that is now 10 straight games when they had a chance to close out a series they've lost. 10 straight games. It's actually very hard to achieve if you think about it. So is that a mental thing, you think, with your team? or <sighs> I, don't want, I, don't want, I don't want to waste any more time on it. But I had one of those weeks where so, my so-called friends came out of the woodwork just to text me about it as the games were going on. Uh, I'm surprised I didn't hear from you. Um, but you were asking me off here, you know, Belief. Do you still have belief? No. I have no belief anymore. See, Ben Francis, massive Warriors fan. Mm. The, the, fan the, the Warriors don't give Ben Francis enough for what he, he gives them. He still believes. I don't believe. That, that it's not going to win it in my lifetime. They're not. I, I've completely let it go. And I feel good about it. So I'd like to know from the listeners, is there a team out there you've just given up on winning? But you, but you give, just you just support them, but you're like yes, you support them, you support but you've given them, up. But you know, at the end of that, we're not going to win this. We're not going to win this. I, I found my happy place. I feel like that about then, the Warriors. This then the playoffs arrives and they they kind of claw you back. They claw you back as they and you're like, oh, this is it. then you have to tell yourself after slapping yourself in the face, no, they're not going to win. So is there a team? I'm talking to you, listener, directly. On 0800-150-811 or double eight double three, that you've just given up on ever winning. Even if it's a club team that maybe you play for, well, you just know your team's going to well, choke sh- when it gets I'm to that sure, moment. I'm sure at times during a Wellington Firebirds career, you've <laughs> probably given up winning anything. I knew you were going to bring that up. <laughs> but Ben Francis, you still believe the Warriors can win this year, can't you? Oh, yeah. They're that, that, that lifting that trophy in October. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See? Wow. I love the faith of some That's fans. Great. But I'm way more cynical. I'm older. Yeah. Wiser, maybe. Love your work, Ben. So is there a team, Grant, you support that you just know are never going to win? Well, Everton. And, and why do you support them? <laughs> Everton. That's true. That's actually a pretty good show. They're always mid-table. Will they, will they ever win the Premier League in my lifetime? In well, your lifetime? Not now. They've out of, they're out of cash as well. Well, and, and surely the EPL will uh, have the new character test and won't allow um, you know, sovereign states to take over a football club. Yep. And your your dirty Russian oligarch money's going to dry up in the off-season, isn't it? <laughs> I think it's been an awful run for the hills. Well, you know, they're, they're, every team needs to reach rock bottom. And then that's the <laughs> stage where at rock bottom. And you look at the, the Black Caps. I was involved in an era where our five-match, uh, five-day test matches would last three days. We weren't great. Yeah, that was the only good thing about that side at the time. Was like, yeah. But at least you had the dignity to get over and done quickly. When it hit rock bottom and Brendan McCullum's team was bowled out for 45 in a test match, suddenly it was like, this is a come-to-Jesus moment. Right, let's change things. Yeah. So teams do go through cycles, and you have to believe, Daniel. Okay. You have to believe that that cycle for your maple leaves will no! become good. And keep no! all of those texts from your win. mates. They're not going to win, Grant. Uh, oh. And that's okay. Change of culture. It's actually, it's not okay, but I've taught myself fooled myself to believing it is okay. So, so Ben Francis, do you have a, a sporting team you're just, 
you just know we'll never win? No, I, I always back the teams I win, regardless of how bad they're going. Like, my football team is Bradford City. You know, Whoa! They, they, well, you're never going to win the Premier League, are you? Well, they were one goal away from the championship, and now they're lingering mid-table in, in fourth division. But I've still got hope that they're going to get up there one day, and, they, and they're going to be among the best of the best. i still got the hope that the Warriors are going to uh, put doubt everyone wrong and lift that NRL trophy, and it's going to be like the greatest moment of my life. Other teams I support, I like the Vegas Golden Knights. They make the playoffs except this year in the NHL. Oh, no, the, the team who came into the NHL and what won it in the first season. Well, they, they lost in the Stanley Cup finals to Washington. Oh, that's right. They lost the Stanley, but they made the finals. They got through to the finals. The Maple Leafs haven't. <laughs> Their first season. We haven't won since the late 60s. Oh, my God, I'm going down the rabbit hole. I, 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 do, I do have 56 one. Years. 56 years, mate. Yeah. I do have one though which I have given up hope on. Who's that? Oh, that's myself winning a title in darts. <laughs> At least he's honest. Uh, let us know on 0800 150 811 or Texas double eight double three is there a sporting team that you just know will never win. Actually, Bradford City, fourth tier of um, you know, English football. They'll, they'll never climb that ladder, but good on Ben for, for remaining a, a supporter of them. Is it Mikey, is it? Are we going to line one? You know, yeah, Mikey. Yeah. Good, mate. Hey, uh, I'm in Grant's camp, to be honest. I, uh, in my lifetime, there were two really bad teams that I supported um, back in the day, and one was Canterbury, and the other one was the Black Caps. Didn't win anything. Hopeless. <laughs> Both of them. And, uh, <laughs> what, Canterbury? Just in uh, everything. Just in everything, Canterbury. Well, the old, the old days. We're talking like after that we lost that Shield game and then uh, against all <sighs> and it was kind of all over. Um, for a long time, people forget that they were really bad for a very, very long time. And then the, uh, the when the Super Rugby came around, we lost the. Uh, I think we were last in the first season. I think you uh, won the wooden then, spoon. Even when you're crap, you're winning something. <laughs> exactly. And then uh, and then sixth, and then we won the NPC in eighty uh, ninety seven. I think it was. And then Boomfa. And then the Black Caps were the same. And I think Grant was saying that 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 one with uh, Brian McCullum forty five all out. And then they turned it around. So, like, you've got to keep believing, mate. Keep believing. It can happen. No, I don't yeah. have to, Mikey. I don't have to keep believing. No, Mikey, it's my choice. I like what you're saying here. We've <laughs> got to get Daniel to keep believing because a change of fortune, change of personnel, change of culture. Oh, you're going to get me on the karaoke stage it's, singing Journey next, it's aren't you? back. We, <laughs> we've got to follow happen. the maple leaves. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when was the moment, Mikey, that you realized you were wrong and Canterbury were back? Um, well, I never gave up on Canterbury, but it was just like you just accepted. Uh, like you, you just yep. kind of accepted that this is this is what it was. Yeah. Same with the Black Caps, especially. Yeah. Um, the Black Caps give me so much joy now. Like they are the team that makes me happy. Uh, probably the yeah, most it's incredible, out of isn't it? Because years and years of just heartbreak and and there's still the back of my mind. Like, will we ever win in Australia with the Black Caps? That's that's probably the one thing. With those guys, yeah, I'd like um, to play there more. I'd like to play there in Australia more than we might have a bit of a chance. But it seems mm. uh, you know so intermittent when we get invited. But Mike, you remember the days? Remember the centennial year of nineteen ninety five? How bad, how bad we were. <laughs> Courtney Walsh getting like a million wickets at the Basin Reserve. Exactly. Gee, we've had oh, we have had some horror seasons, haven't we? Uh, the young guns, mate. Young guns. Oh, oh God, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> hey, good on you, fella. Thanks so much for calling All in. Right. I do appreciate it. Thanks, hey, Mikey. No uh, 0800 150 811. Giving up on your team. Giving up on them winning it. Doesn't mean I don't support them. It's just I've, I've come to the, 
come to a found peace and clarity. Peace and losing. That's a bad place to be. <laughs> oh, luckily, it's a I really don't... bad place to be. Okay, well, maybe sums up my love for the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> it's uh, 30 minutes after 12 o'clock. Your correspondence. We love it. Thanks, Mikey. Thanks, everyone who's called in. Uh, you may want to part the course for the next uh, 15 minutes or so because it is time uh, to welcome in a legend on the other side of the break. That is, after nearly 20 years of playing international cricket for New Zealand, Katie Martin has finally retired. We will speak to her part of the Saturday session, Legend segment in association with Somerset. Think legendary here, think Somerset Retirement Villages. Katie Martin, up after this break. All right, mic's on? Yeah, yes, they're on. They're on. Welcome, listeners. What a song. This is my walk-in song. Oh, I had to and I tell it. you what, have we it. got a treat for you on the legend segment. <laughs> We've got Katie Martin. She was born on the 7th of February in the beautiful Dunedin. She made her debut for Otago in the 2001-2002 State League against Central Districts. She holds the record for the most matches, most wicket-keeping dismissals in New Zealand, Women's domestic one-day cricket and is one of six players with 4,000 runs in New Zealand domestic one-day cricket and one of six players with 2,000 runs in New Zealand domestic T20 cricket. She is an absolute legend and recently retired from the game and we are very fortunate to have her on our legend segment. Probably the quickest inducted legend after retirement. Yeah. On this show. In fairness, Could I think she was a legend say. prior to, to her actual retirement. Hopefully Katie is there and hasn't nodded off after <laughs> listening to your song for about 20 minutes. And God bless Wikipedia, eh, Katie? Uh, Grant Elliott <laughs> reading right. it verbatim. What a wonderful introduction. Yeah, it is great. Morning, I, I Katie. Wikipedia hasn't been hacked. Morning. Or afternoon, is it? I'm not sure the time of the day now. Yeah, it's afternoon, Katie, but we are very lucky. I did prep you for today, and I said to you, I said, listen, you're going to be on the Legends segment, big boots to fill, but um, in your cricketing career, I want to know your best yarn. You, you're always full of yarns in the commentary box with me when we're commentating for Spark Sport and we're in the background. Um, tell us, what, what's your, your funniest cricket yarn during your career? Oh, that's a great question. I think a lot of the funny yarns actually happen off the field, which I probably can't talk too much about, which I'm sure <laughs> you know, you've had those experiences as well. Um, I think I, when I was younger, I was a little bit of a smarty, so I um, probably wasn't that funny. I remember I sledged Emily Drum, who is now the New Zealand selector, <laughs> so that wasn't probably a great idea about her running between the wickets, which was rich coming from me um, and, and my... <laughs> I just running between the wicket issues in the last couple of years, at least. <laughs> hold on, hold on, so, Katie yeah. Martin. So you you sledged Emily Drum, the, the one who averaged 144 in Test cricket. Yeah, that's how that's how silly <laughs> I was when I was a youngster. So I'd like to think that um, that I'd grown up at that point. But uh, yeah, I <laughs> was. I just got the steer behind and then thought, knew that I'd made a complete <laughs> error and, uh, and then I didn't say anything for the rest of the game. <laughs> yeah, unlike you to be chatting in the game, Katie. But uh, um, retiring from the game, it's a great time to reflect and I want to reflect on where it all started for, for you. I understand that you, you basically lived around the corner from Brendan and, and Nathan McCullum, didn't you, from my understanding? Yeah, I did. They played um, 
football with my brother back in the day and Nathan and Brendan and I played at the Albion Cricket Club in Dunedin, which I was very proud of. And I remember getting player of the day once um, and it was the old McDonald's voucher and chicken chips and a Coke, I think, which was, you know, <laughs> it was the best prize you could get. Um, and I was so shy and I was too embarrassed to um, to go up and get it. So I asked Brendan and he was like, absolutely not. So Nathan went up and got it for me. So, um, yeah, sort of, it was some great memories playing, um, I guess, at the same club as those guys and growing up as family friends. And, you know, Stu was obviously a really good cricketer in his own right. And, yeah, I think as I got older, I probably tried to um, play a few shots like Brendan did as he went on in his career. So, uh, yeah, it was a pretty, pretty great growing up. I played a lot with the Ethorn boys and um, in the backyard and, we had a front yard at Calder Street, which is where we lived in um, in St Kilda and Dunedin, just ran from the McCullum boys. And I still apparently to this day, at each end, the grass hasn't grown back. So we must have <laughs> played from <laughs> top to dark. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's, it's pretty good memories, like every Kiwi, Kiwi child that we got to play backyard cricket. And it was always the boys that got you into cricket. Um, you know, there was never too many girls around playing and, I guess that's the awesome thing on the back of the World Cup. We sort of heard a lot of stories about how, you know, the young sisters are going out with the boys and playing, you know, backyard cricket now, which is um, which is such an awesome thing to hear. So, Katie, where did it start? And did you start off as a wicketkeeper batter? Or um, was it the same as most Kiwi kids now? You, you bowled and you, you kept and you batted. Where did your love for wicketkeeping or where did your specialisation start? Well, I'm quite an impatient person and obviously, which is unique being a cricketer. Um, so I sort of love to be in and amongst it, um, you know, and I talk a lot. Um, so I think that sort of come naturally to be in the action as a wicketkeeper. Um, I sort of didn't really enjoy it when I sort of had to keep to the boys now bowling a little bit faster and I just wanted to run around in the field. Um, and I had a coach, Billy Abadilla, at the time. He sat me down. He's a old school coach and um, he took, I had to go up to his house and his, you know, he sort of had like the 1960s wallpaper and I remember his wife wheeling <laughs> a trolley of tea and um, he said, very important that you keep wicket keeping because it's a great selection option and I think that's probably the best advice that I ever had that throughout my career with New Zealand. I was sort of in the field, the poor, <laughs> my poor fielding teammates out there to deal with me at point, usually um, jibber-jabbing away. Um, so I was sort of yeah, kept a little bit for New Zealand and also fielded. So, um, yeah, that was probably the best advice I got. And I think as a keeper, you're always in the game. And I think I always feel like I'm quite humorous and quite funny, which by all accounts isn't actually the truth. Now my teammates, now I've retired my teammates, so they don't get as much entertainment or joy out of my sense <laughs> of humor, which I think is a bit unfair. Um, so, yeah, I tried to have a few young, but that's sort of how I got into it. And, um, yeah, it kept me sort of occupied. I'm still struggling to comprehend you. You being the shrinking violet, being so painfully shy, you can even go up to get an award. So when did that change? When, when did you, especially once you got into the domestic New Zealand cricket scene, and then you know a couple of years later you're playing for New Zealand. When did you feel at ease? When did you become the person you are today? You think? Um, I, yeah, I am quite a private and sort of humble person. I think that's sort of the Dunedin part that comes about. Um, and I guess when you're playing at that level, I think probably I think I made my debut for New Zealand at 18 and um, you sort of have to grow up quickly I've gone from the streets of Dunedin to the streets of Mumbai so um, it was a yeah it was a bit of a um, eye-opening experience my first tour um, so yeah I think I sort of had to come a little bit out my shell I'm sure that 
if you ask people back then, they would have said I was a little bit cheeky and a little bit not as shy. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think you have to sort of grow up and and be, I guess, in the mix when you're playing, um, you know, for New Zealand. And I have said this a few times over the week: is that you know, while my the amount of runs I've scored and things like that haven't been where I would have liked. I think it's just about the character and I guess I learnt that early on that you always just want to play the game in a good spirit. But really important to get around your teammates and yeah, get joy out of their success and so I think yeah, I learnt that early on, I guess, from Mike Shrimpton and the way that he went about things as a coach and um and yeah, and you sort of like I said, into <laughs> your um, you know, as your first tour opens your eyes. Yeah, let's talk about that. 18 years of, of age, you are selected for that tour to India. Um, but, but as an aside, there's two current Indian players still playing, I think. Um, and Mathali Raj and Goswami were, were in this test match as Katie made her debut as an 18-year-old in New Zealand's last test match back in 2003, November 2003. Katie keeping and batting at number three, Katie. And in the time-honoured tradition of Test Match Cricket and New Zealand history, you're in during the first over uh, because the openers uh, struggled. <laughs> what, what's your memories of your first game for New Zealand was a Test Match, your only Test Match. It's quite extraordinary. Yeah, it was so it was unique. So I, I remember, actually, when I got selected for that tour, we, um, we used to get emailed the teams. And I was at the New Zealand Cricket Academy and Mike Shrimpton was coach at that time and we'd had a week off and I, ro- I rocked back up to Lincoln and he said, oh, I haven't heard from you. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, oh, congratulations. And I said, oh, what, what's happened? You know, like, had no idea what was going on and I'd been sent my congratulation um, email with the attachment of the team and I'd made the New Zealand team and had gone into junk mail of all things, which for a start, you never <laughs> have the coach set up as to go to junk. Um so I didn't even know initially that I was selected for New Zealand. And then, um, yeah, Mike said, oh, you'll be sort of development on the tour. We'll probably have Sarah McLeish and um, wicket-keeping, who was such a talented player but never actually yeah. really wicket-kept much for CD back then. And I think I played in the warm-up game, got 40-odd. Um, and he said, well, we want you to keep in the test match. And I, 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 uh, I hate to think how many buys I gave away because I've never kept that many overs in my life. And... Um, it was such an unbelievable experience. We played in Varpi and we went through sort of the shanty towns to get to this ground and it was a you know, billionaire ink owner and I remember him, you know, and this this was able to happen back then, not so much now. Um, we were sitting at the hotel ready to go and um of the morning of the test and he said, Girls, I'm gonna give you a thousand rupees for every six and five hundred rupees for every four you score and I thought, Well, well this is Christmas, you know, we got thirty dollars a day for food and and I'd managed to get 46, and we had a plan of don't get out to um, one of their spin bowlers. And um, so I just defended her out the game. And after three hours, I was so tired, I'd got to 40-odd and then got out because I actually tried to play an attacking shot. But it was just an unbelievable experience. And I remember yeah. at the end of the game, we had, I think it must have been about 15,000 at the at the ground, which was you know unbelievable in terms of women's cricket back in 2003 and we were all roped off and we got told don't sign any signatures because there'll be an invasion and we were like oh surely that's not true and <laughs> remember Rebecca Steele she she signed an autograph and next thing you know the ropes had come down we'd been invaded we we're running <laughs> to the we're sitting in the changing room probably for two at least two hours as all this crowd just kept 
just storming towards the changing room and you know I'm sort of like I couldn't even deal with you know what was happening in India you know on the streets and things like that let alone tucked in the changing room trying not to get invaded and and for 15,000 people and it took them two hours to clear everyone out and there were shoes left behind and all sorts and it was just I got back to the hotel and I just sat in my room and thought I've just played a test match for New Zealand We've drawn the test match. Haley batted for about a day and a half. We called her the rock um, for us to serve the test match. And, and I'm here going, we've just been invaded. What the heck's going on? And that was the start of, I guess, the six, my first tour. And it was six weeks. So, yeah, it was. It, it's just mind-blowing. And I feel fortunate to play the test match. Um, but, yeah, to have all of those things happen. And then, obviously, the ink owner come down the next day. And, you know, we all got paid our rupees for the runs. And I thought, you beauty, I might be able to make <laughs> this game. And, uh, <laughs> which hasn't happened. Well, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was amazing. Well, you did hit five fours more than any other player uh, in, the New Z- in the test match, as far as the New Zealand perspective is concerned. You kept for over 140 overs. You only conceded 16 buyers. I think that's uh, quite quite great. But... Is it your great regret that was your only test? Is that your great regret of your career? Yeah, I think so. I mean, everyone talks about test cricket being a pinnacle and um, in women's cricket, we just got so used to it being one day internationals and that was always our pinnacle. Um, I probably find it more unfortunate for the likes of Amy Satterthwaite, you know, Susie Bates. And I look at Merely Kira and I think, man, how I like to see her in a oh, yeah. baggy black batting for two or three days. I mean, if she can score you know, over 200 runs in a one-day game and, and the technique and the, I guess, the mental strength she's got with her batting. I'd love to see that. Um, and I guess, you know, I'd take one cap over anything else um, to be able to play in that. But I think it just comes down to the cost of test match cricket for the woman. And, yeah, um, yeah but hopefully down the line there'll be more um, sort of series where you're able to have that. Um, and I think that's hopefully going that way. Um, but because I, I just would love for... I guess your teammates to have that, and um, you know, Grant, you've you've played, you know, for a long time as well, and you know how special it is, and and you know, the playing that cricket, um, it is a test of character, and and I think we've got some pretty good players that would stand up um, really well in Test cricket. Um, Katie, I mean that that Test match was obviously you can look back at it and and think, you know, you know, regretfully you only played one, but you're right, you're very lucky you got to play one, and there's a lot of players that probably will look back and go. That would be their one regret is that they haven't played test cricket. But that test match was obviously a turning point in your career. You had played for Otago the, the season before, debuted, and all of a sudden you find yourself in the, the New Zealand um, team and squad uh, for the Tour of India. Um, and when you look back at it, were there other turning points where you thought, wow, you know, I'm actually pretty good at this game. I, I can maybe not make a living out of it because the money wasn't quite there, but um, it's something I want to do for as long as possible. Yeah, it's a, yeah, there were definitely moments, I think, when I've, I've sort of been in and out of the team throughout my career, which I guess, you know, looking now in the position I am, it um, allowed me to, I guess, the transition out of cricket will be a lot easier um, in comparison to, I guess, people that, um, you know, have been in the team, team for a period of time. But um, I think there were definitely times where, after World Cups and you feel like, you know, this could have been it. And remember um, in 2018 at the T20 World Cup um, in the West Indies, and I, you know, after the first, we played Australia and India first, and we had to obviously win one of those games that would have put us through to the semis. And after the, sec- you know, we played, I think, Australia second and lost that and we were out. And 
we've still got three games to go and and I remember the last game against Pakistan and I was like this is it I'm done and then you get home and you think oh just that joy of winning a World Cup or just even being in a semi-final or final again um, you know it sort of just reinvigorated my cricket and I think uh, you know three years ago when it when our contracts turned professional, when it was, you know, we had the ability to be able to continue, um, I, I guess, you know, to actually train during normal time, times of the day, not, you know, after work or before work. And um, that made such a difference in terms of, I guess, reinvigorating my love for the game because I could spend more time doing it. I wasn't tired and, and having to sort of, you know, do a 40-hour week and then, you know, fit in training in and around that. Um but there are definitely moments I think I've probably retired in my head three or four times. And yeah, you just, <laughs> I think you know, it was always at what point could I, what point was the game beyond me? And what point did I, I guess, feel like I wasn't contributing as I could have? And, you know, I'm probably my harshest critic. And I guess I was always that person, you know, that was always tagged as the next wicketkeeper after Rebecca Rolls. And, and I probably got lazy and, um, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not the most athletic person and, you know, I blame dad for my jeans. <laughs> well, I don't know what happened. <laughs> he, was, uh, he, he was a skinny, long-haired ginger man when he played rugby for Otago, and now it's a little bit opposite. Yeah. But um, So, uh, yes, yeah, he's, he's definitely balding, and he's got a little bit more on the belt chains. But, um, yeah, so hopefully. <laughs> so it was always a little oh, okay. bit more hard and things like that. Katie, you you're... you're you're a very harsh <laughs> critic of yourself um you know this is a, a time to celebrate your career and you might look back on a number of things that you thought you could have done a lot better but you know you played 103 odis 95 t20s and 279 list days you you know it's a lot you of cricket. To, yeah a lot it's of a cricket. lot of cricket a lot of time squatting down as a as a wicket keeper and no doubt uh, a lot of days where your jaw would have been sore with the amount of talking <laughs> you do on the field but um i want to i want to look at the world cups you played in um you know the 2009 17 22 and then you also played in the 2009 12 14 16 t20 world cups um and then later on obviously in 2021 um uh you became uh the oldest player to represent New Zealand in a World T20 international match. So a career that spans so long. But over all of those World Cups, was there any World Cup that stuck out that you look at and you go, ooh, came close there? Yeah, I think 2016, I think, was at the T20 World, World Cup in India. I think that was, I sort of felt that that was our best team that we could possibly um, win that World Cup and. We played the West Indies in the semi-final, and you always talk about Deandra Dotton, and she's just a freak in the field. She mm. can cover distances, and you know she gets runouts, and that you just don't even you think the ball's gone past her. And I remember a moment in that game it was Sophie Devine and Sarah McGlashan were batting, and we, they were building a great partnership. And um, and I thought, yeah, this is it. You know, we've, we're going to make this. We're going to make the final. We're going to smash Australia because Australia. We always beat Australia at that time, and we absolutely smashed them in the um, round robin game. I think they were four for four at one point. And I remember the day before that game, they they complained and complained. We turned up to the ground to look at the wicket, and and it was one of those wickets that you'd look like had been glued together, like they just got patches of of dirt from the ground and and put it all together. And as Kiwis, you go, well, this is what we've got, so we'll just figure it out and and do as best we can. And they were trying to change the wicket and, and just hated it. And we smashed them in that game. And I remember Susie Bates hit the six over extra cover off um, Kristen Beams. It was the best shot I've ever seen in cricket in my entire life, apart from that six-year hit <laughs> grant. But in terms of women's cricket, oh. um, 
So uh, yeah, and I and so we smashed them, and I thought if we get into the final here, we've we've got it over them mentally. They they just don't think that they can beat us. And Deandra Dodham picked up the ball. She'd moved about 15 metres. She bounced through it in and had just hit the top of the stump from about one, like she's got one and a half stumps to aim at. And it was a complete turning point. We lost that game. And, and I remember coming in, I think, three overs to go, needing 30 runs. And just we just couldn't get across the line. And we had likes of Aaron Birmingham, you know, Morna Nielsen, number one T20 bowler for three years in a row. And that was the team that we thought, yep, that would be it. Um, so, you know, I, that was a moment where I felt that we really had the opportunity. 2009, I think we won the toss in the T20 World Cup and we decided that we would bat first on an absolute green top and got in overcast conditions and Lord and got bowled out for 84. So there was a few moments like that where you think, geez, we, was, we were so close. And that was a big year in 2009 for us as well. Um, I guess, in a way, I wasn't there in 2010 where Sophie um, nearly got us across the line in that last game. But that, that's probably the closest we've been since. And there's always moments at World Cups and, you know, even the last one, having the advantage at home. But you know, I guess I'm a big person that, you know, in terms of thinking things are meant to be and they're meant to be. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things I can probably reflect on in World Cups. It just sometimes things just don't go your way. Oh, well, Katie, it certainly is a celebration of your career. Um, I know that everyone loves listening to you commentate, so I'm sure there's going to be a lot of commentating on, on Spark Sport with a big summer coming up. You've given the game so much, and I always believe it's a game that, that um, gives the players so much. And uh, we've enjoyed watching you play and really excited to see um, where you, how, in what way you're going to give back to the game even more because um, you're, you're not only a phenomenal player, phenomenal person and character around the game. So thank you so much for, for coming on the Saturday session. Really enjoyed this chat with you. Thanks so much, Thanks, Katie. Boys. Appreciate it. That's been great. Thank you. Take it. Look forward to seeing you around the traps. Uh, Katie Martin uh, joining us there, part of the Saturday session Legends segment. Uh, calling time on a story career, you know, dates back 20-odd years uh, yeah. playing for New Zealand. That's, that's uh, fantastic. Um, and such a, such a great uh, person to be around too. Really but, infectious yeah. person, a lot, lot, lot of players, as she alluded to, that will have a bit of regret in not playing test matches. And that's the, the cool thing for her is that she played in a test match, got a taste for it. Yeah, nah, 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 you did not. Uh, our Saturday Session Legends, uh, in association with Somerset, think independent living with a little help in a service department, think Somerset Retirement Villages. The Good Oil team is up after this. 16 away from 1 o'clock. Keep your nominations in for our Sleep Drops performance of the week. Uh, rolling in, we'll uh, get in contact with the winner before 1 o'clock or just on 1 o'clock. Plato is here because the good oil then takes over, dominates the afternoon, entertains you, makes you rich um, financially and in the soul. It is a wonderful product, uh, the good oil. Clado is here. He's got the glasses at the end of the nose, like he's like like, like he's a school teacher about to tell a young Grantelli it off. You must mean business today, Clado. We do mean business today, and we've got one of your teammates in here, Grant. Kyle Mills is going to join us later on this afternoon. And we've got one of the young guns of punting, Brad Carson's joining us on the good oil today. So if you made the draw for the uh, $1,000 Punders Club today, looking good. Millsy in the studio. Millsy, he's well, I'd love, I'd love to hear what you and Millsy have to, to say about my good oil punt for the weekend. Well, what's your good oil punt? Race nine. Race. Subtle point. Oh, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
straight horse. Oh, that's made Lado. my week. Thank you, Eight dollars. There yeah, you go. Jonathan Parks here, straight out of a maiden, but listening to Kevin Myers, his first interview for 20-odd years this morning on the mail run. Kevin Myers, he likes YOLO in that race. He'd be mad okay. to take well. a line through that. And Hula Beat was good. I saw it when at Avondale was good. But subtle point, it could be, it'd be thereabouts. Parks, he's a, Parks, he's a, a big help. Yeah, well, I went for I went for um, my son's class parents' drinks um, during the week, and that's where I got the tip from his teacher, who oh. uh, has a little stake. Oh, you're taking tips from anyone in now, the really? subtle point. And he <laughs> said, Mate, "Listen, stand on your own feet." He said, "Got a great chance." And you know, so when, you're, when you're at college, you gravitated towards the teachers who punted. Didn't you? Because yeah. you, you needed a day <laughs> off. You made sure you were in their <laughs> class, or you knew they had your back to a degree. <laughs> yeah, if if you went missing on the first Tuesday of November uh, in the afternoon, don't worry, we, we, he was present. He was definitely in class. As far as uh, the highlight of racing today, uh, give us those details. Oh, what do you keep an eye on? Hey, look, we've got Tarapa going alongside Wellington today, and Tarapa got some really, really, really good fields, plenty of form, plenty of exposed form, so we're waiting to sink our teeth into that. But we've still got one jumping race to come from Trentham, the Manawatu, Manawatu steeplechase. And that's the next race on the card, race four. So just a small field of four runners, but it'll be a great spectacle. And Magic Wonder looking to get back into the winner's circle. Have a great show, Clado. Do appreciate it. The Good Thanks, Oil Clado. coming up after 1 o'clock, 13 away from back after this break with our sporting tips you probably should run a mile from. Thank you to everyone who's played a part on the show. All our guests, all our contributors, and you, especially those who've chipped in for the Sleep Drops performance of the week. Um, a couple more. Paul Cole plays in the semi-final of the World Squash Championship in Egypt tomorrow morning. He's the only non-Egyptian player left in the tournament. Thank you, unnamed messenger. Do appreciate that. And uh, Carlos, condescending Carlos. I, I did love Carlos's condescending, condescending message earlier. Um, uh, he's written back, I think. Um, this one is for Grant. Uh, keeping on the topic, uh, giving... Up on your team, Everton have surely given up on winning a local derby game against Liverpool. You'll never walk alone. YNWA, Carlos. Well, thanks for that, Carlos. Every now and then, I've still got that hope. I'm unlike uh, the host, Daniel McCarty, who thinks the Maple Leafs will never win a game. No, they won't. won't. Thanks for your nominations. Try NewZealandSleepDrops.co.nz for all ages, lifestyle stages, and sleeping challenges. Always read the label and take as directed. All right, we're coming around the bend. We're on the home straight. Our sporting tips uh, you must know about, but probably should not touch with a barge pole. Starting off with Ben Francis. Go. Oh, you're going to love this one, guys. Firstly, I have a horse up in uh, Trentham, race number eight. Uh, Very Flash is paying $15 for the win and $4 for the place. It's our first start. Well, Clayton's not laughing at that. That's a good start. Clayton hasn't burst into hysterical laughter, unlike Grant's pick. And you you, you just (laughs) sit sit down for this one, boys. This next one will make you a lot of money. It's paying $176. Sticking on to the theme we've had today, the Warriors to win the grand final. (laughs) (laughs) he certainly hasn't given up don't stop believing gotta believe I'll go next after making my fatal mistake a couple of weeks ago in the sales NBL when tipping our um, corporate uh, when I tipped the Wellington Saints to beat uh, the Otago Nuggets uh, owned by a corporate daddy were you about to say the Otago Muppets no Nuggets (laughs) Nuggets 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 were were good again last night Um, but yeah I went, went against our corporate daddy you know, yeah. our company owns it, right? something like that. Gotcha. Uh, and the, the Wellington Saints are zero from three and at the bottom of the Sal's NBL. That's the 12-time champion. So I'm just going to bet on the Saints every week from now on and until they win a game. So, like- so I, I'll get on them. I will get on them. But I'm also going 
I'm going with Max Verstappen to win the Spanish Grand Prix, mainly because I, Ben Francis, have picked the brain of New Zealand's leading Formula One correspondent, um, Grant Elliott, who says Charles Leclerc <laughs> will not win. Charles Leclerc, who looks like LeBeau from Hogan's Heroes, just out of interest. Go check that out. That's fantastic. So thank you, Grant. Um, straight on the nose, Verstappen to win in Spain. I'm going to go on another one of my league multis. Oh, here we go. Here we go. The Dragons to beat the Warriors, the Storm to beat the Cowboys, the Panthers to beat the Roosters, and the Sharks to beat the Titans. Delivers just over $4 for you, that little four-legged multi. Okay, Ben, and I would like to know, why are you tipping the Dragons to beat the Warriors? Um, All coverage right here on SCNZ, of course. Well... I just I feel like there's too much going on in the Warriors camp. There's too much noise, and I think whenever there's noise outside Circle of the team, wagons, time mate. Circle the wagons, time. Mm. We're all coming for us. It's They're tough. building a juggernaut. Remember? Yeah. No, I I just think it is going to be tough. I think this this is something that's going to be have to be built over time. It's going to be organically built over time, and I like the changes that they're making. I like the noise that they're making, but it's not going to just come right in a weekend. So yeah. That's that's my reasoning, mm. uh, and I and, and I hope uh, the TAB opens a um, an option. How many times will Martin Devlin text me about uh, Liverpool versus Manchester City? I'm going to go over five hundred. <laughs> well, I can't see those odds, but <laughs> let's. I want to see the proof of it, though. I want to see the proof oh, of no, it I'm next week. I'm keeping the receipts, buddy. <laughs> I've got the receipts right here. Have a great Saturday afternoon. Always a treat to be with you, uh, Grant. Thanks, Ben. Thanks a lot, Ben. Thanks to all the listeners and all of you that phoned in as well. Brilliant. Enjoy your Saturday. Mow those lawns. Watch some sport. I do have to mow the lawns, actually. Get amongst it. Don't be lazy. Good oil as I do that. (laughs) Ta-da! It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.